You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of JaysFromTheCouch.com. And once again, I am playing catch up. I apologize. There have been developments uh, off air that have led to the postponement of recording sessions. So this is the plan for how we make this up. This is essentially Wednesday's episode. We're going to talk about the Atlanta series, some things that emerged out of there. So we'll do that. Then later today, the Fan Friday episode is going to come out because we're doing it on a Friday. Dang it. It doesn't make sense to say Fan Saturday. So we will do the Fan Friday episode. And then tomorrow we will do a third episode that will essentially make up for yesterday. Um, We'll be talking about Trent Thornton and some recent pieces that have been written about him and how he fares against Houston the second time around and what that kind of means for the rotation because the rotation is going to be talked about a lot this weekend given some other news. But we're going to start by looking back at the Atlanta series and, you know, a split against a division-leading team for a squad like the Blue Jays is actually pretty good. I mean, we'll take that, especially given how they got the win. But there there are some trends with the pitching that we do have to talk about. I I do want to start with that opening day. Um, We're going to talk about the batters in the second half of this podcast, but what the Blue Jays did on Monday, or sorry, on Tuesday, getting my days out of order, shockingly, Anyway, we're going to talk about Mike Soroka and what he did in the second half of this podcast because that's where the batters are going to get involved. For the Blue Jays, it was a bullpen day, which is, I mean, it's par for the course now. It shouldn't be, but they are somehow making it work. They got the win that day. Wilmer Font came out in his usual opening gambit and pitched two scoreless innings, four strikeouts, looking as good as he did before that Seattle series. So a nice little return to form for him. Zach Godley came out for three innings, scattered two hits and two walks, got the win for Toronto, which is great for Godley in just trying to reestablish his value at the major league level. And, and I think eventually try to push to get back into rotation. I know I think all parties would actually prefer to have Godley as a starter exclusively, but given the work he's done this season, it it makes sense to keep him in this shortened role so he can just continue to work through it. That was his first victory as a Blue Jay, so that's nice to always tick off the, the career checklist. Um, he's down to a 485 ERA with the Blue Jays. So 
there that was a positive outing against a team that's pretty good. Again, this is a division leader that the Blue Jays split with. So if Godley can turn in more performances like that, it'll go a long way to keeping him in the picture moving forward. Tim Meza and Jason Adam combined for a for a clean inning. Jordan Romano came out after that. And Romano's the one I want to talk about from Tuesday because he continues to look shaky in his return since coming back from the injury list. And Romano, you know, he got all that hype when he was back up with the Blue Jays in the sum earlier this summer and was like, ah, oh, he's going to be the closer. They can deal off Ken Giles and it's fine and everyone will be all right. But I think you're seeing a lot of struggles with him in readapting to the major league level and finding what made him successful coming back up, finding the velocity that made him successful. And in a couple of performances he's had, batters have been able to kind of figure him out a bit. So that's going to be the question. What do you do when batters figure you out? And that's what Jordan Romano has to show in this next month is that he can still get batters out when they know the fastball is coming. So that's going to be what he's going to have to work on moving forward. Obviously got bailed out by new Blue Jays super reliever Derek Law, who I heard got rave reviews for his warm-up music in that game. So congratulations, Derek Law. Um, Ken Giles came out and got the save, of course, looking like Ken Giles, which is great. If he can have a few more performances like that, he will go a long way to, you know, netting a very nice trade package in the offseason, which will likely happen given what the Blue Jays need to do. So in the in the Wednesday game, it it was gonna be tough. They they threw another all-star starter out there, and Mike Fultonevich isn't like at the level that he was when he was an all-star. He's still working back from it. It took him 98 pitches to get through four and two-thirds innings. So the Blue Jays actually did a good job working him over. The problem is they couldn't get anything off the bullpen, and there was a a regression for Jacob Wagaspak, which was going to happen given what we know about Wagaspak's stuff, given what we know about how he's succeeding at the major league level. There was always going to be that threat that, again, once batters and once teams figured him out, he would start to get hit up. And Atlanta was able to do that. Six hits in three innings, five runs. Only three of them were earned. Uh, because of the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. error. But two walks as well. And then the home run given up to Matt Joyce. Which, yeah, alright. But, again, that that was a problem for Waggis back on that night. He wasn't able to locate as well as he has been. And when... You can sit back on a lot of Wagaspack stuff when he's not getting those ahead in the count early. You can sit back and wait for him to throw that subpar fastball at you and just sit back on it and hit it. So 
what Wagaspak needs to do, like he's he's put himself near the top of the list of these young Blue Jays pitchers that are in there right now. He's ahead of Trent Thornton. He's ahead of Sean Reed Foley. He's ahead of Thomas Pannone. But if he wants to stay ahead and if he wants to be a part of that 2020 rotation, especially with guys coming up who have their eyes on him, we'll talk about Anthony Kay in the next couple days. But again, he has, he has to be able to control what he's throwing and he has to be able to use what advantages he has, which is, again, being able to get ahead of counts and being able to get that soft contact. Also, let's pour one out for Jason Adams, sub one ERA. It was beautiful while it was there. He got tagged for three runs in that Wednesday game. Jumped it up to 348, which, again, Adam had the same problem as Wagaspak. Of the 18 pitches that Jason Adam threw, only six of them were strikes. Walked two batters, plunked Freddie Freeman. It was just a mess. And when Neil Ramirez has to come in and clean up your mess, that's not a good sign. Anyway, it it just speaks to this constant flux that the Blue Jays pitching staff is in and is going to be in for the rest of the month as they try and figure things out. So Houston's going to be really fun to try and watch because it, it has the potential to start exactly like the Dodgers series. But, you know, if... Thornton can come out there and have another good start like he did against Houston. If Clay Buckles can continue to reestablish his value. And if potentially Anthony Kay can come up and have a good debut. Then we shall see. But for now, Wagaspak is safe. He doesn't have to worry about that. But I would not be comfortable if I was him. Anyway, we will talk about the hitters after this break, but just a reminder that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by BlueChew.com. BlueChew, the FDA-approved pill with the same active ingredients. Sorry, it's a chewable. I shouldn't say it's a pill. I mean, it's tempting to say anything you put in your mouth that offers benefits is a pill, but it's a chewable it's got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it's going to work. You can take it anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, even if you just had a scrumptious dinner. And since it's chewable, it's going to work twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises for you. It's prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so don't have to go to the doctor and ask for pills. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy for pills. And there's no awkwardness about it. So it's made in the USA. It ships directly to your door. So it's actually cheaper than the pharmacy. And right now, if you visit BlueChew.com, you get your first shipment for free when you use a special promo code MLB. You just pay $5 in shipping. So again, that's BlueChew.com. Blue is in Blue Jays. Promo code MLB. Try it for free. It's a better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. So I wanted to briefly touch on the batters in that Atlanta series. 
um, one in a local, like that series aspect, and one in a broader aspect. First, what the Blue Jays did to Mike Soroka, who has been having a fantastic season for Atlanta, was great opportunistic hitting, which is a hallmark of good teams. You had Atlanta coming in after a New York to Colorado to Toronto road trip over the span of two days. They were tired. Soroka's emotions were going to be up. It's his first start in Canada. And the Blue Jays just jumped all over him. Bichette, single. Biggio, single. Guerrero Jr., single. Early lead for the Blue Jays. That's exactly what teams need to do. That's what I, I keep talking about these tendencies of good teams and what they're able to do. And that is exactly what good teams do. They show no mercy. They go out there and they pounce on any any perceived weakness in an opponent. Blue Jays pounced. And before Soroka could get settled in, they had a lead on him. And their bullpen did the job. And that's how you get a win against a really good pitcher by taking advantage of that. So I was really happy to see that. I was really happy to see that chance wasn't squandered. And hopefully they can do that more going forward. Obviously, they didn't do that in Wednesday's game. But what we did see in Wednesday's game is just the continued resurgence of the star status of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Two for five in that Wednesday game. He has been exactly what the Blue Jays have desired in the past, I want to say, six weeks. Since the middle of July. After that July 18th game against Boston, Vlad was sitting at a 238 average. He's had 17 multi-hit games since then. His 2-for-5 night against Atlanta bumped him up to 282, which is the high watermark for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this season. And while the power hasn't exactly been there, he's only hit four home runs in the month of August. He's coming through with contact. He's coming through with the ability to get on base. His on-base percentage now up to 353, which is great. I'm not worried about the power with Vlad Jr. He's 20. He has plenty of time to develop the power. It will be there. I want to see him get wood on the ball. I want to see him consistently make contact. And that's what he's been able to do over these last six months. And and just, again, establish himself as a guy who you have to be careful with no matter where you throw the ball. Again, this is a guy who can take out a seven iron and get a home run with it at a pitch at his ankles. It's, I mean... Again, we saw what he did to Wade LeBlanc. So, again, the fact that he's able to do that, the fact that he's getting acquainted with MLB pitchers and and what they're able to throw at him and consistently being able to get hits off them, get hits off multiple pitchers in a game. That is what needs to be seen from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's not about the dingers. I know chicks dig the long ball, but this chick also digs just solid singles. Just station to station baseball, moving the chains. Vlad Guerrero is proving he can do that. He's not going to be a roadblock like he has in, well, in basically like 
May and June. That's essentially what happened there. But again, as he's becoming acquainted with Major League Baseball, he's doing this. Hopefully he can continue it into September and then heading into next year. There could be Dark Horse MVP bus. I don't I don't want to build him up that quickly, but if you extrapolate what he's been able to do over the last six weeks, if you look at what he's done just in the month of August, he's got a 353 batting average and 16 RBIs. And again, he's got an OPS over a thousand in August. So that's stuff that's going to play. Granted, the Babbitt was really high. Um, in the month of August, he has a 382 Babbitt. I'm not sure how sustainable that is, but when you keep knocking the ball around the park like that, it makes it very hard for fielders to actually deal with it. So that could be sustainable for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. There's not that much of a difference in the Babbitt and his batting average. So I... I'm excited to continue to see him and and what he's going to be able to continue to do. And again, it's one of the reasons why I have hope in this team and why I'm still happy to watch this team going forward. And speaking of going forward, we are going to do that by ending this episode right here. Just a reminder, if you're not following me on Twitter, I don't know why, but you should be, at least for you know, baby photos and such. If you if you didn't see my niece Jackie on there, um, follow at a underscore j underscore Andrews. The underscores are in there because Twitter is stupid. Follow the podcast at Locked On Jays on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts. However you get podcasts, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Because again, we have to do double headers like this sometimes. And sometimes we do it on weekends. And sometimes we will actually do it when we're supposed to. When the world isn't as crazy. Anyway, I thank you all for sticking with me. And for listening to this episode. And for everyone at the Locked On Podcast Network. And everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com. I'm AJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.